Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up, and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge, you grab the bull by the horns, you find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Good morning. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Mike Gola Jr. That's me. I, and I, I say with me as always is Brandon Newman. And Brandon, I just saw something the other day that someone did a breakdown of how many people percentage-wise start their podcast with a certain greeting. And now I feel like we've already fallen into the hey everybody typecast part of this. Oh yeah, uh, I think, uh, what's up everybody? Uh, yeah, I think, yes, we definitely, we definitely do. I, I like your cadence personally, but if you want to throw it, you switch it up every now and then, usually when I call you, you say Brandon or some form of that. You kind of switch it up every now and then. I usually, I usually hit you with a, with a Miguel, you know what I'm saying? So, so maybe, 
maybe we can sprinkle in a little bit of a little bit of what what's this and what's that for the audience that is true we're like what now in this is the like into our fourth week of this we got to kind of spice it up to keep things interesting in the bedroom you are right in that every time i'm on the phone with you i have to enunciate your name a different way to capture your attention because i know you're always doing things you're a father it's bigger than (laughs) basketball so i have got to try and find a way to hook your time in there and that is what we are going to try and do today this is just a mike and brandon podcast today we don't have a guest we will have one of our favorites back with you guys tomorrow we've got a locked and loaded rest of the week as we get ready for what's to come in the postseason in lacrosse's big weekend as i've told you guys i'm going to jam down your throat through all of this wait a minute wait wait wait, wait, wait. did y'all just hear that did y'all just hear that that's gojo mike go jr telling y'all this is gonna be a mike and brandon podcast solely so go ahead switch the dial if you ain't messing with it we can catch y'all tomorrow if you are link in lock in listen up we about to get into some stuff yeah you're gonna want to stick around there's a very important draft that's gonna come up at the end of this podcast shocking revelations about brandon's childhood that we're going to unearth and really (laughs) dig into so you're not gonna want to miss that but um we also ask that no don't turn the dial instead Go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Download, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Leave us a five-star rating and a review. We greatly appreciate it. We need all the help. Like we said, we're fighting a war against the algorithm, and we need your help to win this. We're trying to, listen, we're trying to cheat the game. That's that's how this goes. Every podcast does it. We are not immune to all that. And, Brandon, we get to start here asking people to do the podcast business because, Lord God in heaven, that NBA game was hot ass last night. The Ugh. Boston Celtics absolutely mollywopped the Miami Heat. That game was never once even remotely close. The final score was 102-82, to but Brandon, the only truly fun, enjoyable, and interesting part of that game was the first quarter, where the Miami Heat went almost nine minutes of game time with one point on the scoreboard. Not zero points, not one basket, one single point. And the internet was divided on whether or not that was aesthetically pleasing. Mina Kimes, friend of the podcast, was disgusted. I was elated. This was the thing I was rooting for. I wanted one of those Twitter accounts to pop up that gives you the updates, like, is so-and-so still hitless? I wanted, do the Miami Heat still have one point to be able to form by the time that this was going? So first and foremost, which camp were you in? Did you enjoy the Miami Heat spending nine minutes of game time with one point, or were you disgusted by it and weirded out by the numeral one in that column for so long? You know what? Now that you're asking, I think I was intrigued and interested. Like that one point, I was just thinking about not only did they stay at one point for a very, very long time, they were trying to get more points. Yes. Like they were there was a lot of an attempts. There was a, there was a, there's plenty there's plenty pull ups from the two and the three and all different types of uh, combinations trying to get more points they did not but the Boston Celtics would go to the other end of the floor and score in in multitude of ways I think they were at the free throw line multiple times while Miami Heat was just sitting at one point. It was one of those nights where, yet again, wild free throw disparity between the two teams. The Boston Celtics went to the free throw line 38 times to the Miami Heat's 14. So they fully doubled up on them there. 
crazy. It was also one of those games where because it was over so early and like just a total wild swing, right? Going into this game, no Marcus Smart for the Boston Celtics. The defensive player of the year out with that midfoot injury. No Tyler Hero on the other side for the Miami Heat, who was borderline unplayable during game three. So you thought, all right, maybe not the biggest loss in the world. And instead... That same Bam Adebayo that was a monster last game had nine points. Jimmy Butler had six. I mean, Victor Oladipo's looking around with the only one, I think, over 20 points going, help me in all of this game. And so... Victor, and it was Victor Oladipo who had to pull up and was hitting shots. That's when you know you're in trouble. You was talking about uh, yesterday when LeBron James hitting first quarter threes. You're like, oh, shit, let's pack it up. When Victor Oladipo's hitting first quarter threes, you're like, okay, we're probably going to win this game. We're probably we're probably going to win this game. And Bam Adebayo, did he not have three points going into halftime? It was ugly all the way around for them. Like it was Al Horford reprising the role of Game Three. Bam Adebayo, where he had the Dennis Rodman stat line, where he ended the game in single digit points, but had double digit rebounds, had four blocks in the game. It was emblematic of this year's playoffs, though, Brandon, because the reason I was so excited about hanging on to that one point is I knew after that it probably wasn't going to be a fun game. The Boston Celtics were up damn near 20 before we could blink. That was with the Heat having one point. And it didn't get much better. Now, I saw Big Cat tweet this, and I'm not sure if it's an exact science or not, but he said tweeted, updating the blowout stats for the NBA playoffs. Over half the games that have been uh, playoff games have been decided by 10 or more points, and over half of those have been decided by 20-plus points. And I was scrolling back through the scores. Anecdotally, it's not far off. We have majored in ass-whoopings this postseason, and really, if you go back, we've seen this in plenty of NBA postseasons, and I know this is a spot where people might bemoan that. I just truly think this is always the cost of doing business, Brandon, when it comes to a series sport like basketball mm-hmm. versus hockey. Because hockey last night, we had the Tampa Bay Lightning completing the sweep against the Florida Panthers. Yep, yep. The Battle of Florida, less than sign, less than sign, less than sign. Yes. The Battle of Alberta. But, you know, the two-time Stanley Cup champs go out and exert their dominance again in a game that ended up pretty tightly contested until an empty netter made it 2 nothing. But with that one, hockey different sport in the way that it goes about, right? Goals are more scarce, and it's like football in the fact that it is a violent collision sport. So, if you are not on top of your game at all times, you can't let your foot off the gas because people get hurt that way. In basketball, physical sport, but not a collision sport, we see nights like this happen all the time, where in a long series where these teams are going to see each other night in, night out, perhaps seven times, Sometimes when the brakes get beat off you this early, you'll just see everyone folded in. These teams are beat up. It's been a physical series. And you don't have to go out on the court and operate with maximum intensity just to keep yourself physically safe. And I think without that threat of physical danger, we see a lot more moments that happen like last night where... It's inconsistent who's going to be on the court. And when it starts to go that poorly early, especially on the road, the Heat know they're going to get to go back to Miami for this next game and say, for who? For what? Why are we going to go out here and break ourselves over this just so that we can go back home and feel a lot more comfortable? Yeah, I hear you on that. But I feel like there was just no spark at all at any point in time in the game. It was as if Miami literally wanted to go home before the tip. And I do, 
I do feel in my bones that there's been a lot of, of these blowout playoff games, especially in the Western Conference Finals and the Eastern Conference Finals. That's why everyone's so, so thirsty to get to the finals. Like, let's maybe not get a blowout game. Like, maybe these are the two best teams and we finally get a chance to, to see them battle it out. But a lot of times, the writing's on the wall. A lot of times, I want to say, I think about LeBron James's finals with the Spurs where it was just a sweep the entire time. He was lucky to get past the uh, the uh, Orlando Magics for the, in the Eastern Conference Finals, and he was just too young and wasn't ready for as how disciplined the Spurs are. I'm thinking about this for the Eastern Conference Finals. As good as the Boston Celtics look randomly in certain games and, and, and good in other ones, and heat culture is, you know, based on, you know, whatever Jimmy Butler had to eat that night. I feel like the Warriors are just going to beat who, whatever the East spits out at this point in time. It, it certainly seems like it's leaning that way, and, and part of that has been because it's been such a physical series for Boston and the Miami Heat. We joked it turned into a football game pretty early, but I know I feel like people are going to do the thing where today everyone will run with the headline of, man, Adam Silver needs to be worried about this. Your regular season products already become something that's forgettable because everyone's pushed their chips to the postseason. I think that ignores like what we got early on in the postseason with a lot of the young stars was really entertaining with John Morant. You got a great series out of Boston and the Milwaukee Bucks, even though there were some blowouts in that. You got a long series, and that's generally what we tend to reward in these NBA postseason runs. Dominant individual performances with a couple of long series mixed in. Golden State and Memphis was kind of an outlier in how close those games ended up being by and large. But again, even going back when we were getting those great Golden State and Cavaliers finals back-to-back-to-back seasons, there were a lot of those that oscillated between blowouts in those games and somehow the NBA towers are still standing. So I'm not going to sound the alarms on this, but you're right. It is kind of opening the door for this Golden State Warriors team to be the ones because of recency bias, because we saw them look good last night. And we'll see how it ends up looking tonight against Dallas when they've got the chance to pull this out with the sweep, because you want to talk about the chance to send a message, Brandon Golden State, if they want to come out and not do the thing where they play with their food, Media narrative-wise, because that's what we're looking for in these games. We get one a night to all sit with. If Golden State comes out and just decides they want to toe-tag Luka and the Mavs, they can send that message to the Eastern Conference. All right, you guys go and keep beating the hell out of each other, and roll, right. we'll roll to what could end up looking like one of the easier titles in Golden State's tenure. Which is amazing, considering the age of the stars and Clay coming off of the the big injury and the, I don't know you never you never can predict what the other what the other teams are going to look like where other injuries uh, lie but I have to say and I hate and I've been tiptoeing around it for weeks it's kind of nice to see the Golden State Warriors back in this spot. It's so funny how we've come back around to that point because remember by the end of the first dynasty run for them. People hated those dudes. Steph was chewing on his mouthpiece all the time. They were jawing at everyone. Draymond obviously is the mouthpiece for that team. And then you had Kevin Durant come over and really make this unfair after the record-setting regular season team. So they had all of the makings of one of the most hateable things that had come from one of the most likable things. And you're right now because... We watched cycles of Clay getting injured because we watched them turn in some new role players, get a guy like Andrew Wiggins, who was a cast off, have Jordan.
Jordan Poole star turn come, they have become, I think, not only likable again to an extent, because I think there's always going to be people that are turned off by Draymond and how he approaches the game and stuff like that, but they're familiar and consistent. And I think most people in this playoff run are looking around grasping for something that feels familiar in a postseason run where, yeah, we've had some young stars come in with great performances, but at the end of the day, I've always said, and this is true in March Madness, this is true in the NFL, college football, everything else, we kind of like knowing who's good more than we like true parity. Because true parity can give you what we've gotten in this Miami and Boston series. But dominance is something that is easier for us to identify. It creates heroes and villains, which we always love in sports. And I think every sport tends to benefit from that. I've said that about March Madness for years. The upsets and shit are great in the first few rounds, but when we get to the Elite Eight and the Final Four, we kind of need one or two big bads, and that generally tends to be blue blood schools who we yep, trust over time. a long period of time to go and make this happen. I mean, it, it reminds me of you talk about the the years and the stops of this Warriors dynasty. If you think back to when Kevin Durant joined the Warriors on that was it July fourth or uh, July first, whenever that happened, uh, I think a lot of people were more pissed at Kevin Durant than they were the Warriors I think at this point at that point in time everybody's like we get the Warriors we understand who they are we understand the pieces we understand that they just they just light it up and they break Charles Barkley's brain because they they win games by shooting threes and then Kevin Durant joins and we were like okay 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 hold up like it's not we're not even gonna be mad at, at babyface Curry we're not even gonna be mad at Clay or Draymond who hasn't closed his mouth since 2007 what is KD on? And, well, and- it's because we, it's because people, and I, I don't, I was about to say we, but I know that's not true for us and for a large majority of the sports media, but like the vast majority of fans tend to identify with the team and hardly ever blame the team for going out and acquiring more good players. People love to hate players. People love to belittle what these guys go through and are trying to deal with legacy wise. And KD was the poster for all that, which is incredible because Brandon, how quick on the other side did we get to that? And that's kind of relevant now because I heard Colin Cowherd mention this on the herd the other day that he looked at this Warriors run and how it affects the way that we talk about and perceive Kevin Durant. Now, he went at it from the standpoint of he feels bad that Kevin Durant has to watch this after what he's gone through in the first couple of years with the Brooklyn Nets, with all the inconsistency and injury. He went from that standpoint, but a lot of people have come inexplicably after, like you said, the vast majority of people stood up and criticized him for going and joining the team that had beaten Oklahoma City in the postseason, the team that they were beating for a while and ended up losing to. Then on the other side turned around and said, well, Kevin Durant must clearly not care about winning or his legacy all that much to leave Golden State and a clearly better basketball situation. And those might not be perfect circles of a Venn diagram crossing over, but it just seems so logical. Like, you got to pick one. You were either pissed at him for going there and now you understand him leaving or the other way around. You can't be pissed at him for going and pissed at him for leaving just because it went well predictably when he got there. It's insane. Yeah, but like you said, they hate the fa- they hate the players and it's kind of easy to hate Kevin Durant, especially how he 
changed the game in a, in a very, very real way. Like all these different characters and, and, and players that come in and out, they like, like, how can you really hate? What is what it said? The, uh, the opposite of love isn't hate. It's indifference. Like no one's indifferent about Kevin Durant. No. Well, I think that's because Kevin, Katie polarized himself off the court. Like, I, I guess the, I look at it and, and we've seen plenty of people like I'm not inventing a straw man here. There have been plenty of people that have said, well, why did Kevin Durant leave an objectively better basketball situation to go bet on Kyrie Irving and this Brooklyn Nets? Like, it seems pretty easy. Like him and Kyrie Irving seem to genu- genuinely be friends. They yeah. wanted to play basketball together and the situation was grating on the other side. We saw the strings coming apart and like... I get that as a sports culture, we love to lionize teams that make it work. You know, we saw in the last dance documentary, the 90s Bulls were not a team that was all lovey-dovey on the inside. The New England Patriots, who just finished up two decades with Tom Brady, clearly had friction at the top of that one. Like, most people are more mortal than Michael Jordan and Tom Brady and their ability to weather shit like that. And for Kevin Durant to look around and say, yeah, I don't really feel like getting, you know cursed out and bitched at by Draymond and the rest of this team just because I don't want to assimilate perfectly into this or because I'm a little bit different than what they've been dealing with. And so he made a decision that I feel like a fair amount of people would and for a guy that probably felt a ton of that pressure of people saying, well, you just coasted on those championships, even though he was the finals MVPs for those, you just Mm -hmm. coasted in your way to those championships. And so maybe part of him was saying, yeah, I'll go and win one, you know, with Kyrie's not by yourself, but it's different than the, you know, record-setting Warriors team. So it, it but, just I think we decided that guy couldn't win a long time ago for a certain section of people that were watching him and judging his moves. True, true. But I think at this point in time, too, we have to realize that it's not so much that Kevin Durant is an odd bird as much as Kevin Durant beats to his own, walks to the beat of his own drum. Like, I think it's very realistic that Kevin Durant was like, yeah, tore my ACL. Everybody was hating the whole time. I'm I'm starting to question my friendships with the actual guys I'm on the team with. I I.e. Draymond, Steph, like, you know what? Let me let me go do something else. And I think it's as simple as that. Let me go do something else. He was on he was on uh the Letterman's talk show uh on He, he does a show Netflix. for the Nets, right? Is it he does does he do that show, isn't it? Nets World? No, no, I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about he, uh, Dave Letterman does, uh, has a Netflix series. I think it was called uh, The Next Guest Is or something like that. Our Next Guest Is or something. But he had to sit down with Kevin Durant and he talked about changing his number to the number seven. He was done with the Golden State Warriors. He had won his championships. That monkey was off his back. He wanted to focus on ball and he felt like he was just at a different stage of his career. And he always wanted to be go to the Brooklyn Nets. And one of the main reasons was he really disliked the net the Knicks. Yeah. Like and that and all the opportunities, all opportunities yeah. in New York and things like that, Brooklyn and oh, all listen, that stuff like that. Choosing choosing somebody else over the Knicks historically is a pretty good decision. 
Like, I understand we've had, some, you know, going back two years ago, there was a successful season. Tibbs and those guys and Julius Randle made something out of, you know, what felt comparatively nothing. like nothing. Yeah. And then we saw water find its level this past season. So I don't fault him for saying, I'm going to pick a franchise that's been historically less messy. He just then chose to do it with a player in Kyrie Irving and then eventually a player in James Harden slash Ben Simmons who are all have been a bit messy in their off-court mm. business. But I, I don't know, Brandon, Like, do you look at any of this Warriors run as having anything to do with Kevin Durant? Because I, I really don't. Like, I understand the reasons why he left. And I think given a lot of the injury and the way the league changed around, especially in the Western Conference with LeBron coming over, yeah. it would have been kind of hard to predict Golden State snapping back into form this quickly. And maybe, maybe I'm naive in that, but it just, you know... Again, think about what it required. It required the ascent of Jordan Poole to a place where you could offset Clay Thompson not being his full self and Draymond Green coming back and getting to form that it didn't look like was possible a year ago. Yeah, and that's why I think it, it feels so unrelated to Kevin Durant. Uh, and I, I, I misspoke last episode. I was saying this reminds me of the, the Warriors team pre-Kevin Durant, where it was just like, oh, is. Steve Kerr, one of the best coaches. Like it, it got to the point where it, we're ignoring the fact that all these beautiful accolades were happening on the court with Steph Curry making crazy shots and and Draymond Green being this ultimate facilitator and uh, all the different things that were going on with those Warriors team when everything was clicking correctly. And it's like, oh no, this is just this is just a really really good basketball team who knows how to win games. And honestly, the the ball bounces a specific way in your favor. Like at all, obviously not during the dynasty uh, time for the Warriors. Like they were, they were the one whooping everybody's tail. But the fact that the Phoenix Suns look like world beaters this entire uh, regular season and very, very surprised to see them get up out of here from the likes of the, the Dallas Mavericks. So I, if they get past them, I don't want to do the what if game, but I do think the Warriors are benefiting from, the wealth of injuries through, throughout the Western Conference and just well, teams just not showing up. I, I think we can woulda, coulda, shoulda pretty much any championship, especially in the last few years, because you go back to the bubble and obviously there's an excuse for that. You go back to Kawhi Leonard's championship the year before that and say, well, LeBron left the Eastern Conference. You had injury on the other side. Of course, that was a championship to pop up. Last year had the effect of a season that was pushed back at the start because of the bubble and all the injury that ran rampant there. So we can excuse it away however you want. Being able to weather that entire season long storm is a skill in its own right the Warriors have played with a ton of depth and so we are getting to the point now though where the Warriors are going to end this I think this is going to be one where they have learned from the past and they go out and end this they understand they can get rested up and really put themselves out in front because that's where the experience of this championship core comes together they can smell it now they know what getting to this point is like and what it means so I think they do that I actually think my original prediction of Boston in seven still has a fighting chance now. It is, again, a crapshoot in that series based on injury. We'll see if Marcus Smart comes back. Obviously, there's a whole bunch of guys, including Jimmy Butler in this series, who we know limped into this game last night, certainly struggled because of that knee issue that he had from Game 3. All that's going to make that one volatile. But Brandon, I think the rule that we do need for the rest of the postseason, because it could be a blowout with Golden State, we could mm -hmm. get more blowouts in the Boston and Heat series. And I said this last night, 
this should be one where if by a certain time in the fourth quarter, we can call it maybe the five-minute mark, a team is leading by, let's say, 30 or more, because 25 seems possible. But tonight was a 30-point margin for most of the game. You got to put a courtside fan in. You got to give them at least a little bit of run. And I only say that because it was pointed out to me tonight, and then I saw him on the camera. We had Gucci Man sitting courtside. And that would have been incredible to just get Gucci a little bit of burn in this game. And we know every stadium's got their fans that are usually out there. You see plenty of them show up there. So I feel like it's incumbent upon you as a stadium to be kind of judicious with who you put in there. And then enjoy the moment. What a great bit of promotion to keep people engaged and interested at the end of the games if you just forced one of the high-profile courtside fans to get a little bit of burn if you're over 30-point margin with five minutes to go in the game. I I like that if if like it's a clear cherry picking situation where it's like a, a power play where like the celebrity is literally only on one end of the court doesn't have to run run back and play defense because I don't want to see all that I just I do want to see just Gucci Mane take three pointers and you know his chains hit him in the face when he's when he when he gets up and releases like yeah I, I like that I I like I like where your head's at I see all the holes in it. But basically, more halftime entertainment during the game during the blowout. Yes, we like, we've like got maybe maybe listen. a dog the the dog catching frisbees. Maybe they go out there and, yes. and, and make an alley oop. And now I would worry about the safety of the animal in that spot. But like, what if you had these guys having to go out there and try and play in the fourth quarter in this blowout around Red Panda with the Bulls? Oh yes. I'm just we're workshopping Ooh, here what? because people are going people today are going to run with and say, Oh my god, Adam Silver has a problem on his hands. These playoff games are all blowouts. Is this bad for basketball? We're gonna do all that stuff probably somewhere today. And so we're just getting out ahead and saying, We've got ideas for these late games, what a TV product that would be, how entertaining in the chaos. I love it. Okay, one more thing. Maybe, maybe not random player comes in or random uh celebrity comes in plays. What about just at a certain point in time, introduce slam ball court? Ooh, hidden trampoline? Just trampolines. Just trampolines. You know what I'm saying? Man. Break them out. Now we're now we're cooking. Somewhere, somewhere Billy and the Levitard crew are proud. They've been fixing baseball all these years, and trampoline warning track was a big one for them. Slam ball court, fourth quarter NBA postseason games. Now we're talking about something here. Adam Silver, call us. And this is the point where we can remind you, how would you fix the NBA's postseason blowout problem? Leave the comments in our Apple Podcast reviews with a five-star rating, and we will read them on the pod when we do this tomorrow. So make those good. But uh, people may or may not know this yet as we depart from a lackluster prior night of NBA playoffs and look forward towards probably the end of a sweep tonight. Brandon, you were a Los Angeles Lakers fan, and that's come up, I think, when we had Joy Taylor on this podcast, but it comes up again now because we had reports from Adrian Wojnarowski the other day that Michigan head coach Juwan Howard recently declined a Los Angeles Lakers overture for the franchiser's vacant head coaching job, electing to remain in his alma mater, where Juwan Howard is coaching his two sons next season. Obviously, it's his alma mater, but Brandon... Is this a bad look for the Lakers right now to be twisting in the wind when it comes to this coaching search after the season they just had? Because it doesn't feel great. It doesn't feel great. I think it's more of a reality of the actual situation. Uh, I think you you, you talked about this um, with uh, 
what's the name of the wide receiver that just went to USC? Addison? Uh, Jordan Addison, yes. Jordan Addison. It's not that I, I bring him up because it's not that he's just leaving Pitt because he wanted to chase the money. Like you said, he's got a new heck, a new coordinator, new quarterback, all these new different pieces laying around him. And bringing up bringing that to the Lakers, it's it's a reminder that it's not a head coaching position to coach the Los Angeles Lakers and all the opportunities to bring basketball and make it important again in the city that of angels that needs basketball to be important again. It's going and deciding to coach a team that has Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and Russell Westbrook. I feel like he is like the big, shiny, dirty piece of this puzzle that is keeping the likes of a a college basketball coach. No, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna diss Juwan, Juwan Howard like that because Juwan Howard was that dude. Obviously, uh, Michigan Fab Five played with LeBron uh, for the Miami Heat. Coached LeBron a little bit at the end of that tenure with the Miami Heat, and has been bounced around. I think he's. I think he's might have find what he's looking for being at his alma mater, like you said, in Michigan and coaching his sons. And I think it's 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 not so much a slap in the face to the Lakers, but you would imagine that a Lakers job, a Lakers offer, would be like that. That well, shiny piece. So I will say he was, was never. No offer. There was never a formal offer. So just right, to set the yes. table on this, because the Lakers have a formal search going on. This is all according to Woj. The finalist list of Milwaukee Bucks assistant Darvin Ham, Warriors assistant Kenny Atkinson, and former Trailblazers coach Terry Stotts, according to sources, they're expected to conduct in-person interviews. And this was interesting. The Lakers never made a formal offer to Howard, according to sources, but it's clear that if he had expressed interest in the job, his candidacy would have his candidacy would have moved quickly to that stage. And that's the part of this that I think is going to be the really tough look. Because like you said, we understand the limitations of that older roster. And I think we all have this image of who we still believe LeBron James is when he's healthy, if that's possible for long stretches is his age anymore. But it's not that Jawan Howard turned this job down. It's that it ended up getting out like this. That, yeah, Mm -hmm. there wasn't an official offer, but even to that end, like Jawan Howard didn't even use this to get a pay raise for Michigan. He didn't even leverage the situation. It was that quick of a, nah, I'm happy with my kids, and maybe he didn't want to squeeze his alma mater. But it's like, for this to get out in that way just makes you look like, oh man, we're gonna we're driving by the Lakers who are kind of on fire over there right now. We know the coach is ultimately only going to be able to do so much there. But again, being the one that gets turned down in public when you're supposedly the hot one at the bar is kind of always going to be tough. Yeah, but, like, we ain't the Sacramento Kings. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't disrespect the Lakers like this. Like, and if, if you're a head coach and you managing personalities, that's a perfect, that's a great opportunity. That's a great opportunity. I feel like they don't want the smoke. I don't know. I don't know. It, it, it feels like it's a bad look. I, I, for one, like I said, coming fresh off of winning time on HBO series, like, shh, that was me doing HBO uh, uh, sound effects. Oh, thank you. Uh, I'm. I want. I want Trailblazers. Ex Trailblazers coach. You want Terry Stotts? Like, I do. I do. I want. I want. I want. I want. I want. I want somebody just completely off. 
Darvin Ham, sure. Sure. As much as I was pissed off when Frank Vogel's name got in the mix and was like, oh, he's actually the head coach now, and Jason Kidd is sitting over here on the side as an assistant, you know what? F it. Bring in somebody new. Bring in somebody that LeBron uh, will ultimately disrespect in, in multiple ways, and hopefully they fight on the sidelines like we did, uh, like the Miami Heat did earlier this season and, and, and lead them to a, a freaking conference playoffs. Listen, conflict speeds up results in sports. I'm a firm believer of that in the right doses. But uh, yeah, again, the head coach of the Lakers with LeBron on the team is ultimately like shuffling deck chairs in the Titanic right now. We've seen enough iterations of this mm-hmm. to know at this stage. It's not as desirable as coaching a LeBron James team used to be. That Russell Westbrook contract is as bad as advertised, but uh, this just seemed to add a little bit of insult to injury. That's all I'm saying. They've just been making dumb decisions the entire time. Ty Lue should have been that head coach. Like, there's just, there's just, they've been, they've been fumbling the bag left and right. And like I said, I've said this in other podcasts. I feel like Rob Palinka has something against LeBron James, and they're making, well, they're making moves. There's to always, bury him. there's always going to be that thought of you know, and Kyrie Irving recently gave fuel to this fire on the I Am Athlete podcast, where he made the you know the GM joke and talked about him having all that control. There's always going to be people that look at this situation and wonder how much is Rob Palinka really doing? How much of this happens without LeBron James coming over? We know the Russell Westbrook thing had a large deal to do with LeBron James and how close those two were. And so it's hard to really couch all that and blame Rob Palinka too much because LeBron James, right, wrong, or indifferent, has that reputation at this point as being someone who is very much in control of not just whatever team he's on, but hell, there's people that think he's pulling the puppet strings on a lot of the league. Yeah, I mean, Rich Paul is is right there. As you said, you want to get in his DMs. He he's connected and I just I just want LeBron James to focus on basketball, but maybe that's that's too much to ask at this point in time in this stage of his career. He's over here fielding questions, Q&A about Bronny and uh his prom date and things like that. Like I I, I he's he's focused on too much stuff. Whoever ends up being the head coach of the Lakers will probably get fired in two years anyways. And I think they're they're looking at that as a real possibility as well. Yeah, it's interesting now the dance that happens because we know LeBron James is very focused on that stated goal of playing with his son, Bronny. We know the timeline for that could be a little longer because right now Bronny is not some consensus lottery pick at this point in his basketball career. So we don't know if LeBron will actually finish this out with the Lakers. It seems less and less likely as the days go by. But uh, Brandon, I will put you out of your misery in discussing the Lakers. And instead, we move to a little NFL offseason here, Brandon. Because we are in that time period where we're starting to get news as teams report Organized team activities, you know, no pads practices, installing the playbook, rookies starting to meet up with the rest of the team that's going on now, which means we start to get the headlines of who's not all that happy with what's going on. You have Debo Mm. Samuel not attending the 49ers voluntary workouts after an offseason where we heard reports of him making it clear he didn't want to be there. He didn't like the way he's used. He wants a payday of someone who has gone and displayed the hybrid skill set that he has but doesn't really maybe want to play all that running back stuff anymore. You've got Terry McLaurin (laughs) for the Washington Commanders, who is sitting out of workouts right now and apparently hasn't been since before the draft, as he might be a little peeved looking around the receiver market, having buoyed that Commanders offense for the last few years, being a legit number one. But this is the real one, Brandon. This is how you know we are in true offseason mode. Because I saw, courtesy of Pro Football Talk, the headline, Mac Jones... New England Patriots quarterback 
is in the best shape of his life after changing his diet this offseason. We know, wait, listen, this is a body positive podcast, so I'm not going to get into what people were saying about Mac Jones last year, but we know that jump between year one and two is what's supposed to happen. Mac Jones was the subject of a lot of conversation last year because he went out and completed a high percentage of passes that were shortened near the line in an offense that took care of him, and the expectation is it moves forward this year. But Brandon, the best shape of his life. First off, This is always funny because we hear this coming from someone every year. But I want to ask you, do you remember when you were in the best shape of your life? Hell yeah, I do. Absolutely. I, I still have dreams about it. These, these are these are not nightmares. These are wonderful dreams. Of course I remember the best shape of your life. Do you remember when you were in the best shape of your life? Yes, absolutely. I, I, there's something, I feel, always feel like it was just yesterday, but it wasn't. It was, very, very, it was, it was a very, very long time ago. Uh, I could go high school with young body, young bones, but I want to go a little bit older. I don't know if you remember well, this time period. Because I, I think that's Im- well, I think that's important to consider in all this. Because this is like when we argue about which sport is the best, has the best athletes in all of it. Mm-hmm. It is the true combination of height, weight, speed, all of those mm-hmm. things, strength that come together. Stamina. And so I-, I think high school is always a tough one because you're still in most cases dealing with a younger adult body. You're not quite into that man mode that you get into as guys get to college age. So I think that's appropriate is all I'm saying. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. So I don't know if you guys know, Mike and I played football at Notre Dame. Um, Two years with Coach Kelly, two years with uh, Coach Weiss, who got us there. Shouts out to Big Charlie. (laughs) Big Charlie. Never called him that day in my life. Nope. Uh, So... When when Brian Kelly got there, he strength coach came along, Paul Longo. He said that we were the fattest football team he had ever seen. He said that? Uh, you don't remember him saying that? No, I probably blocked that out for my own psyche, my mental health. Honestly, I think, honestly, I probably was trying to shoot bail to Coach Kelly. I'm pretty sure Coach Kelly said that. Fattest football team we'd ever seen, or he had ever seen, which was well, fair. I do, rem- I do remember this. Coach Kelly's first press conference at Notre Dame, we were all in the team meeting room there, and it was on a Friday yes. morning. I remember that because when we had not had a head coach, it was lawless. We were going out all the time, showing up hungover as hell to whatever workouts they had convinced us we needed to show up to. So much fun. It was a blast. It was party time, but Thursday night was for Club Fever, Michiana's hottest nightclub. And then you would go to Vesuvio's, the pizza place that is also both of those places, now God rest their souls, no longer operating in the South Bend downtown area. But no with us. we had been I had been out at fever that entire night. I had finished at Vesuvio's just hammering pizza. I think I paid a cab driver with half a pizza that night. And I showed up that next day and I'm in sweats and we're in the back of the auditorium for this press conference. And all of a sudden Brian's up there and he starts talking about getting everyone into shape. And I hear him in the press conference, so yeah, we're not going to be out late at night eating cheesy pizzas. You know, we're going to be strict diet. And all of a sudden, I'm looking at someone next to me. I was like, does he know? (laughs) Was he there? What the? Somebody, I tell you what, now now we know the game. Somebody on staff was, or somebody on staff, somebody on the team was snitching. Well, I know, like, it could have been on the staff because we remember, like, there were times where they used to send people to places like that to kind of take attendance and see who was going out when they weren't supposed to be. They sure did. Spies on staff. So, 
anyways, when they got there to reset how fat of a team we were, I think the whole team went on a caveman meat, meat leaves and berries diet, Atkins diet, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it was meat, leaves and berries because we're caveman football players. Duh. Um, and I think the linemen had to do it for a month while the skilled players had to do it for like a week or two weeks. I just remember Michael Floyd just like bragging. I saw him just eating some donuts. Like, what are you doing? He was like, oh, I'm done with it. I'm done. I'm, you guys are still doing it? I mean, certain rules didn't really apply to Michael just because he was a mutant and we knew he was going to be a first-round draft pick. So you kind of get to be different. I say that, but he was also with me. He was always with me in the uh, the overweight morning workouts. Yeah, he was big, but he was big with abs. <laughs> yes, he was big with abs. At the anyways, long story short, I think when they got there, I was probably a sloppy three ten, and. They did a pull-up regiment. We were eating only meat leaves and berries. It was we were working out the hardest. We felt like we had worked out in forever, and we just saw our bodies slowly change. I I'm just saying this to say this. We had a pull-up contest when they first got there. Do you remember this, Mike? You don't remember the pull-up contest? It was just to see how long. How, well, how I remember we cold. had to test pull-ups, but if you're saying a specific instance, no, I forget what I did yesterday. Okay. Well, there was a pull-up contest. It was like basically clean how much you can do before they started the regiment. And I did eight pull-ups. I was very happy because I was 310. It was it was good for a big guy like me. By the time we got done with that, and we was about to go into our spring game, and I'm, I'm going to uh, skip the part where it, at that spring game, I did a very, very good job and got that sack on you that we talked about earlier. I was 298. I was 298. And I did 28 pull-ups. So you think that was the peak right there? They fl- the way they flipped the way they flipped this body here. Me, I, my, my ten my ten yard split was the fastest it had ever been. My forty time was the fastest it had ever been. I was I was cleaning for the first time. My core was strong. I like I felt I finally felt what Bryant Young always looked like. Yeah, no, that's and boy oh boy, would we all like to feel like Hall of Famer Bryant Young at any point in our lives in any way, shape, or form. So. That, that makes sense. That would certainly be on the metal stand for me as far as the best shape of my life. But no, I have the specific instance and the specific picture from Saints OTAs when I was in New Orleans. It was spring Ooh. of 2015. I was with the New Orleans, or 2014. I was with the New Orleans Saints in the offseason program. It was my second attempt at football. I gotten cut by the Steelers in 2013 after going to training camp with them. And I spent that whole year just working out. I went to Chicago. I was working out at a training facility north of downtown. And that was all I did. I watched my diet, I worked out, and I practiced to try and be a better football player. And I got that opportunity. I had been like a little over 300 pounds in Pittsburgh. I was down at like 295, which is a more comfortable weight for me. I was moving really well. I was as strong as I had ever been. And I had gone out into the OTAs, which again, you're not in pads. They're not indicative. It was me reading too much into it. But it was as good as I had felt out doing football movements in a while. And then I will never forget, we were staying at the airport Marriott across the street from the airport 
in New Orleans. So you're right on airline. It's Airline Drive. It's this big, long strip far, far away from actual New Orleans where any of the fun shit is. All there is is if you walk out of the hotel, if you walk out facing the street to your left, there's an IHOP. And if you walk out to your right, there's a gas station that has a subway at it. And so that was pretty much where we always ate. And I would come home from workouts and I would get a subway sandwich and then I would go watch Game of Thrones in my bed. And that was how the ebb and flow went. And the Sounds amazing. And it was right before June 1st, where everyone, NFL fans are probably familiar with this, but there's a date in June 1st where post-June 1st, you'll see a lot of guys designated to release post-June 1st because that date provides you some salary cap relief in the NFL mm. calendar year. The Saints were in need of a center. They went out and signed John Goodwin, who had been in San Francisco with the 49ers, to come over before that June cap date. And so I was coming back from Subway. I got in the elevator with my sandwich, happier than a pig and shit. I'm like middle of season four in Game of Thrones. And I get to the top (laughs) of the elevator in my floor, and I have a voicemail on my phone that is telling me someone is coming over from the facility, and I need to bring my playbook, which is code for you're about to get your ass cut. And so I ate about half that sandwich and then went over there in the best shape of my life and got my ass cut and then proceeded to go play like Canadian football training camp in some god awful minor league offshoot league where I lived in a hotel. I lived in a Staten Island Holiday Inn Express for two months playing minor league football in the Brooklyn Cyclones minor league baseball stadium during the year where I was in the best shape of my life. Oh, so oh, so we were podcasting at that point in time. Yes, yes, we were podcasting. I was starting to dip a toe into doing weekend radio for 98.70 SPN in New York the year where I was in the best shape of my life. You see, I keep hammering at home because I completely wasted oh. the best year of being in shape of my life. Yeah, no, I mean, at least you were ready. You know what I'm saying? You got, you ain't got to get ready. You stay ready? Yeah, oh no, I, I stayed ready and... All off of Subway sandwiches too. I would have been my ass would have been an IHOP, all kinds of omelets. That was that was usually the treat every once in a while when shit got really rough. But um, there were, uh, as you can imagine, a fair amount of incredible answers to this question. I put it out to the timeline and tried to see when most people were in the best shape of their lives, and it, it's amazing how that comes up for most people. It's you know senior year of college. There's also a fair amount of people who over the course of the pandemic actually found their way into the Serial best killers? looking version of their body. No, well, I mean, I think like a fair amount of people during the beginning part of the pandemic, when they didn't think we were going to be home for very long, might've looked up and thought, Oh, you know what? I'll use this time to get in shape while I'm home. I've got, you know, people were in the uh, Peloton craze at that point. I was like Peloton push. There was my favorite tweet of all of this came from Justin Tinsley, who's a great writer at Anscape and at ESPN. You've seen him all over there, but I want to find this specific tweet. He tweeted me and said, I just got the Peloton every day for two weeks straight and ate marginally better. And I was this close to quitting ESPN and trying out for the NFL, despite never having played organized football ever. That's how crazy you get when you're, quote, in the best shape of your life. It'll have you gassed up out here ready to do some wild shit, Brandon. Wow. I love that. I'm, I'm, that might be, that might be the, 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 uh, the testimony that gets me the Peloton. 
Either that or one of them little mirror things that LeBron be using in the commercial. <laughs> Wherever it is on your face. Listen, you know what? I say to everyone, if you know at some point when you were in the best shape of your life, that's that's great. It's great to have peaked at some point. Hopefully we all get to live through that moment. I know I'm not going to get back there, and I have accepted that, and that is okay. Me and Brandon love you exactly the way you are right now. So, at Gojo Show on Twitter if you want to tell us when you were in the best shape of your life. Let's take a quick break, and we'll get on the southern side of this and have a very, very important draft. The NBA playoff action is nonstop at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the NBA playoffs? Well, with DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, total threes made, total rebounds, and more, and then boom, you have a shot and an even bigger payout. Right now, all customers can place a Same Game Parlay with three or more legs and get a free bet back up to $25 if one leg doesn't hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code GOJO, and bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code GOJO, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, Brandon, before we get to this, that, and the third, uh, really hard to ignore this story and... It's a continuation of what was a tragic event and unfortunately gets, you know, even more tragic with this, if that's even really possible. It's just more sad news surrounding the passing of Dwayne Haskins. Um, The autopsy came back, or excuse me, the Broward County Medical Examiner's Office took the blood report, the blood alcohol content for Dwayne Haskins at the time that he was struck and killed on Interstate 595 near Fort Lauderdale and Hollywood International Airport was at .2, which is obviously over the legal limit. He also had uh, some amount of the strong painkiller ketamine in his system. Again, for anyone that forgot back at that time, the report said that investigators found Dwayne Haskins' car, the 24-year-old Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback, out of gas near the side of the road when he was hit. And a woman he was with told uh, investigators that Haskins had gone to get fuel. Witnesses say that he was trying to wave down cars standing in the center lane when he was hit and fatally struck. And Brandon, I I don't bring this up to go back and try and throw dirt on someone who was lost far too soon. This is a tragedy. It is still a tragedy now with this news. Obviously, if he was operating a vehicle while intoxicated... We know that's not behavior that we want anyone to mimic. We know that's not thing a thing that we want to see people do. But this is still sad. This is still a 24-year-old that is not with us for one reason or another after this instance. And it just really, like my mind in that moment immediately went to his family, his friends, and his teammates. I mean, we saw videos of his other Pittsburgh Steelers teammates, Najee Harris and some guys that he was down there working out with who went to sleep that night 
thinking that their friend was going to be with them the next morning when they worked out or did whatever they were doing and woke up and got the worst news imaginable. And it is news that you and I have received, unfortunately, far too often in the 10 years since we left college about teammates, about guys that were friends of ours, about guys that we saw every day in a locker room that are now gone for one reason or another far too soon. And it, 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 I don't have magic words for this moment here, and I, don't, I certainly don't have judgments in this moment. It really is just the reminder that I go back to every time, and, and it's simple, and it doesn't solve anything, but it's just, man, like take the time to love your people while you still have them. We shouldn't need moments like this to be that reminder, but let it make you more aware of just how fragile this all is. I think especially we think about it with teammates like this, just because you spend such an outsized amount of time with each other, it makes you like family for that bit of time. And so you feel that responsibility to one another. And so it's twofold. And this is general advice. This is not to imply that there is something that any of those guys down there could or should have done in that instance that would have prevented or altered this. We don't know that. Only only the people that were around that situation know when involved. But the general advice for me always is, certainly love up your people, and then it's the same advice you and I got in college, is take care of the people that take care of you. And what that means is... If you spot someone who you think isn't doing well, if you spot someone who you think might be doing something different, I mean, this is advice that we were given in Little League football that's really hard to enact because of all the machismo in this sport and because of all that that exists in sports in general where your walls are up because you feel like, all right, if I'm really stepping up and telling people you know, what to do or checking in on how a guy's feeling, I'm going to be belittled. I hope that now as conversations about mental health, as just vulnerability in general and sports has become a much more tolerable part of gladiator sports like football, I hope we're at a point now where it is more okay for people to be checking in on, on one another in these instances, for guys to be checking in on their teammates, for being aware as po- you possibly can be for the people that are still close in your circle. Because a lot of us are far removed from our teammates. They're big teams. You're not super close with everybody. But man, the people that you do have a chance to affect, whether they are teammates, whether they are friends, whether they are family members, like, man, it is just a reminder of how fragile this is and to be as loving and aware as possible and to try and make sure that love is enacted in whatever way the situation calls for as often as you possibly can because that's really, you know, what being a teammate is. And I know that is only one sliver of the man that was lost in Dwayne Haskins and it is just the one that we identify with maybe because of our background the most. Everyone will, I'm sure, see different parts of themselves or their situation in that. But it's just always where I come back to in these situations because this is a pain that we know some version of and it's hell. And so I still send so much love and light to his family, his teammates, the people that are dealing with this most directly. And I hope that everyone can, you know, take from this awful moment an awareness of the people in their life. Absolutely. And once when we first heard the news, it was another reminder of the fragility of life. And uh, obviously in 2022, two years into the pandemic, we shouldn't need that reminder. But at times you need the reminder for, let's call it what it is, athletes, uh, personal people that are in sports. The, we talk about football players 
having a we're thinking we're invincible at times uh because of the sports we play and the gladiator nature of the thing and and there's no t- time to slow down and 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 be weak or 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 check on people but as you said you got to you got to take care of the people that take care of you uh love up on the people that while you can and uh it was just another reminder of of that you know as much as we talk about Dwayne Haskins as a football player and all the accolades uh, accolades a- accolades he had on the field it was a human it was a home it was a person it was uh, a brother a husband a uh, son um people in his life that could care less about football uh so i just you know like you said we've gone through this too much too many times uh too many members of our team and i hate to it's just sad. It's just sad and it's unfortunate. And obviously the news will come out about what was in his system. I, I think that is neither here nor there to the tragedy that, that took place. Yeah, we, we understand that this is always going to be something people had questions about. The information is there, but I really don't see this as now. What 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 more does it change for us other than more details about something that is ultimately a tragedy? So... Uh, again, love and light, whatever good feelings, whatever prayers, whatever you ascribe to, to those people affected by all this for Dwayne Haskins. Again, 24 years old is just too damn young. All right, Brandon, as always, let's finish off this podcast as best we can. We know there's been a, a lot we've talked about today. A lot of it has been very heavy and very serious, but we try and leave people with a little bit of levity at the end of this podcast and the way we break down this, that, and the third. And Brandon, I do want to start with this. This one stuck out to me. I always say so much of your you know, quote-unquote brand online is what people throw back at you. I got this story tweeted at me about 511 times today as a two-year-old <laughs> legend made his mark on the world very early. This man, Barrett Golden, took two years to find his purpose in life. They say there's two important moments in every person's life, the day they're born and the day they find out why. This kid was put on this earth to order 31 cheeseburgers from his mom's unlocked phone. Again, Barrett is two years old. His mom, Kelsey Golden, works in media marketing for a school. She was working on the annual yearbook, so she was transferring photos from her phone to her computer. And her two-year-old son started yanking at the phone. She said he's like most Morse kids now, loves seeing his reflection in the phone camera, playing with her phone. He starts taking it, messing around with it, swinging it around. All of a sudden, she gets a notification that her DoorDash order is taking longer than usual. Which is funny, because although she sometimes orders for her older children, she had sent them with packed lunches to school. So... Fast forward, she gets a DoorDash driver pulling up outside with a car and a bag with 31 McDonald's cheeseburgers inside. Apparently, this kid had dropped $91 on cheeseburgers, which included a 25% tip in there. So, shout out to Barrett for understanding that it is good to tip well if you have the ability to do so. He got these cheeseburgers to the crib here. Apparently, his mom said it was weird, too, because, quote, no one in our family likes cheeseburgers. Brandon, to me, that's the biggest red flag in this entire story because this kid had great instincts. My brother is habitually this guy that will sneakily order if we've had, you know, a few pops and we're all sitting around late at night. 
all of a sudden he'll be the one that will sneaky order some sort of delivery with like fast food or ice cream late night and oh, get everybody going. Like it's it is. You are a conquering hero. Barrett, this two year old, understands he had the ability to bring joy into the lives of his family, friends, and neighborhood, and he took that opportunity. And his mom wasn't appreciative because she doesn't like cheeseburgers. Get out of here. <laughs> Yeah, it was for the for the neighborhood to eat. In the story here, it says uh, one woman came by who was pregnant and wanted six of them. I'm sure Barrett, Barrett broke her off something nice. So you go, go, yeah, go have a nice day. You, you're welcome. And, and to the baby, you're welcome. Uh, they, they got a beautiful picture of, of young Barrett here. Uh, I don't know if this was intentional, but... In diapers, Mike, I'll tell you this, you don't you don't have children just yet. In diapers, you got that blue line. That means that means it needs to be changed. That means it's wet. It means it's dirty. Bear Bear got a strong blue line. That, 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 thing, that thing damn near turquoise. That, that, that baby should have been had their diaper changed before this photo op of it sitting there eating a the cheeseburger looking all cute. But neither here nor there. Shout out to the the wonderful Barrett who called on the golden arches to bring a smile to everyone's face. Like this is exactly what you're supposed to do. And also the cheeseburger is cheaper than the double cheeseburger at this point in time. And you got to go double cheeseburger because that's the, that was the original dollar menu item. Uh, it, so I don't, he, he, he really, he really did do something cost effective here. He really did. He was an innovator. He's a kid that's far ahead of his time. He is going to be an absolute world-class hero when it comes time for college and that portion of his life. So shout out to Barrett for making it happen on the apps here. It also shows you and reminds you how much savvier these kids are on mobile devices than any of us will ever be. It's terrifying, but Mm -hmm. it's got to happen. Brandon, let's get to that. Because that was a trailer that dropped last night for the latest Marvel Studios hit. Thor Love and Thunder. Now, now I got a question. I got a question. Go for it. Was that a was that a premiere for the blowout that was the Eastern Conference Finals Game Seven? I think so. I think or Game, uh, seven, game, game Four. Game, game Four. Game Four. Yeah, it was Eastern Conference Game Four. I yeah, I think wrong. it was it was one they showed at halftime. So I think it was the trailer that was supposed to release at that point. And thank God because it was the only entertaining thing about that blowout win. Absolutely. But uh, Brandon, this trailer had everything. Now, after Thor Ragnarok, this franchise can really do little wrong. That's a top three Marvel movie for me. Easy. And we get Thor in this movie making the trip up to Mount Olympus to check in on Zeus, who is played by a, a, I don't know if it's a fat suit or what, but Russell Crowe just got really into the role. But Russell Crowe as Zeus in this movie... Uh, you've got Natalie Portman as Jane, who now is wielding Mjolnir as apparently another god of thunder in this movie after yeah. some time post-breakup with these two. No, I, I think, I, I'm wondering if this has something to do with the multiverse. That the fact that Jane can now be Thor. Like, not only Jane, we're talking about Natalie Portman here. Like, that was a part Jane. of, like, the, like Thor... Brolic Natalie Portman, Portman, drop the shoulder routine, ma'am. She's out here. Like she's literally like she she looks more she looks more badass than Captain Marvel than than Brie Larson looked looked as as Captain Marvel in this trailer. My thing is this is this is this is before people even cared about these Marvel series when Natalie Portland graced the stage like this is before the avengers that we that we talked about with adam the other day last week like i am blown away not only by her presence 
But let's talk about the villain in this film played by none other than Christian Bale. The yeah. God Killer. What? Christian Bale is Gore the God could uh, Gore the God Butcher. And for Christian Bale, whose legacy is going to be as Batman from the Dark Knight series, is now getting a chance to cross over into the Marvel Universe and have an effect. I'm excited, Brandon. I mean, he's certainly someone you trust in a role of this magnitude. Seems to fit very well. A lot of the visuals from this movie seem to be him and uh, Chris Hemsworth and the battles that ensue will be pretty damn uh, spectacular. Yes, and if you haven't seen the trailer yet, I, I say Christian Bale but he really looks like Powder, if you remember the, the movie uh, from, from back in the day. Do you remember Powder? I don't. Oh, my gosh, Mike. Basically, but I, I say that he's, he's – what's another – something that looks like him? He's, 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 in, he's basically – it's Christian Bale in bald. He's bald, and he's got white face, and he's got black eyeliner. He looks like a little devil man. So it doesn't look like normal Christian Bale, but it's Christian Bale. He got that lisp. You can tell. It's, to me, the part of this that stole, because I'm legitimately excited for this movie. Like, we get to see Thor post-Avengers uh, Endgame work his way back into shape from the, you know, we had Fat Thor in that movie, and I'm allowed to say fat because I am cut of that cloth here. That is Amen. not a word that the rest of you guys can all use. Yes, thank but you. But we, um, we see him get to, you know, we get a training montage in there. The scene that really blows it away in this trailer is he is standing before some sort of court where they are going to judge him. He's got his arms counsel, bound, if you will. A, a council of sorts, yes. and he's got his arms bound. He has got some sort of cloak over the top of him. And then again, Russell Crowe's Zeus snaps his fingers to knock the robes off of him. But as they say in the theater, he snapped too hard and blew all his clothes off him. So you have a butt-naked Chris Hemsworth as Thor, jacked as all hell. I, I, I audibly gasped. I audibly <laughs> gasped at his physical form there. And obviously, well, you, it's a trailer. You didn't like. You don't see anything too salacious. They do the thing where everyone in the tri in the uh, council faints looking at his naked body. But the dude is just an absolute unit just they, a physical specimen hand carved by the guy he's made of marble like they I, show I, they show pixelated they like back up and show pixelated which lets me think that they're gonna show like fresh ass cheeks they're gonna fresh, show fresh thor ass cheeks in this film i mean listen we've had so much tight spandex in this series you had the moment where captain america fought his past self in endgame and he looked down and says that's america's ass We've yes. seen America's ass. It's time to see Asgard's ass. <laughs> July July 8th. July 8th. Asgard's ass in a theater near you. Brandon, let's finish this off with the third. Our friend Chris Long over at the Greenlight Ooh. Podcast. Great podcast. Check it out when you got the opportunity to after you're done listening to this podcast, obviously. Of course. Posted a video, or uh, had a video, I should say, posted of them inside their studio from Nate Collins, who you see frequently on that podcast, of Chris trying out the new pencil sharpener that they had gotten. It was supposed to be an auto-stop pencil sharpener. It was one of those good electric ones. Gives you that nice hum as you sharpen down a good mm. old-fashioned wooden pencil. And... 
it got me to number two. Th- oh, got a number two, a nice yellow number two pencil. You get that thing real sharpened and manage not to break part of the tip off when the first stroke hits the page. You have achieved nirvana. But it did get me to thinking, Brandon, because school supplies are like the one thing as an adult I miss. Like the closest I get is getting some new pens or. You know, yes. it, it, back at ESPN, they would have file cabinets full of some of those materials you might need, highlighters, what have you. So you'd have some of those, but it wasn't quite like the full-on back-to-school situation that you had as a kid. If you had the number one overall pick, Brandon, in the elementary school back-to-school supplies draft, what item are you taking and why? Whew, this is a hard one, Mike. This is a hard one. I because you you cut me at the knees with one because we all know about school supplies. It's about the jingle jangle of everything hitting each other. But if you if you gonna make me walk away with one item, I gotta go with that uh, that that illustrious, that elusive mechanical pencil with the eraser. Ooh, see, I, I, do we still make mechanical pencils? Do kids in school still use that? I, I feel like that was like, like new age have... technology when we were in middle school. Oh, oh my gosh. That, 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 that little, uh, I mean, when pencils became plastic and then you also needed that big old eraser that you always see around, but you needed that because the, the, the pencil on the mechanical pencil eraser went out way too fast, way too fast. And you was talking about that, that first, uh, stroke after sharpening your pencil, the first thing on that page was just your name and the date. Everything else looked like trash. Yes. Unless you want to stand up and go and go sharpen your pencil again. So with that, I, I would love to get a little click. I love it. Look and also just you can't push too hard. You gotta, you gotta. It's not as strong as the number two lead in the regular pencil. How, you know, it, it it leads to so much skill around it. So I, it will say it was a smoother stroke, but you pointed it out there. And Chris had the electric one, but back in the day, how much of like because this was your chance to like flex to show off the outfit to show off whatever Mm. you were wearing that day when you had to go walk up to the actual like pencil sharpener that was on the wall in front of class nerve-wracking nerve-wracking wherever it was in class because it it, because it was i mean let's be real pencil sharpener it's not one spot you know some some you can duck off by the member in elementary school they had the bathroom in the class what you never had a bathroom in your class in elementary school like a a, a, a a sole toilet seat? You had a toilet in your classroom? In elementary school? No. I mean, it's no longer, not in fourth and fifth grade, but yeah, we had a nice little handicapped toilet that we would go. So, so sometimes a pencil sharpener was by the toilet. Sometimes a pencil sharpener was by the door. You know, sometimes it's by the window. Hopefully it's not behind the teacher's desk because you don't go up there and get your ass to shaking. Okay, I just spoiled it because that's what I'm trying to say. You talk about the electric. You talk about the electric pencil sharpener. <laughs> I don't know if this is a normal thing, but and and I, I may be a victim here. You know what I'm saying? Because you know everyone, each one teach one. I just learned things over time. I don't know who taught me this, right? But somebody put me on game back in the day. They said, <laughs> "It feels so weird bringing it up." It's, Probably because it is weird. <laughs> told me if there's like a girl in your class or like uh uh that you like or like somebody like 
that you want to make fun of or like something like there's all there's there's content if you watch somebody go up to the the pencil sharpener physical pencil stand and put the pencil in and get to cranking and shaking because if you if you do this if you're in your car wherever you're at fake fake do the manual pencil sharpeners one pencil in in the hole other hand cranking Yo, tushy is moving. You you got you twerk a little bit. It was the original twerking. So it was always a funny thing when somebody was going to just sharpen their pencil and I go look at them just wagging they wagging, you know what I'm saying? With that wagon they drag and just start get the wiggling and shaking. And I was always very self-conscious about it because my big ass always had all this jiggle, always, and I could only, you know, the husky, the husky uh, polo shirts and whatever else khakis I was stuffing myself in. My ass was up there wiggling away, trying to get that pencil sharp. And I, I, I would go up there and get, you know, I'd do two or three pencils in a row. You know what I'm saying? Just so I don't have to get up again. So you were looking at people's butts jiggle while they were sharpening their pencils? <laughs> the story is that my eye was jiggling. My whole soul was up there jiggling at the same time. You never heard of this? You never seen anybody gyrate while they no. sharpening their pencil? Oh like now I do have to ask this because while that is already like levels of Brandon weird that I've become accustomed to is you worried about jiggling in front of the classroom because you apparently have to sharpen the pencil with that. Mu- and don't get me wrong. You had to lean into it. Like there was nothing like leaning in, making sure you got the pencil in just so, so you felt it kind of clicking into the blade so you could get that thing nice and yeah. sharp. If you, if you did a soft ass pencil sharp if people would turn around and look, that's, that's drawing attention to yourself. If you get up and go to walk to the pencil sharpener, we better hear that wood grinding. Well, and God, the worst is when you used to break the tip off in there and then you had to start again. Uh, and it was just, uh, it was a whole ordeal. Uneven. It was, that was the original messing up parallel parking in front of a crowded restaurant. <laughs> like that same feeling of shame is what you got in the front of the class when you broke your pencil and had to try and figure out, all right, Uh, I have to mash it down more so I can get closer to the lead that's inside this because I broke it off in the middle and now all hell's broken loose. Oh, Listen, the perfect pencil is the one that's long enough to break because if you get up there and mess around with that that pencil sharpener and then you mess around, you got two inches of pencil, three inches of pencil, you're walking back to to your your desk with that little-ass pencil Mm-mm-mm. Now, listen to that class. Now, Brandon, I do have to ask because I told you I had a surprise for you here. And again, <laughs> what? I have to give all credit to what, who I'm going to call the shadow producer of this show. Your wife, <laughs> oh your God, wife Michelle, God. texts me during you the didn't day. Even say your 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 uh your uh, oh my little... my num- my number one overall pick in this would probably be the Crayola 64 pack that had the coloring the the uh, crayon sharpener on the back. Because that Ooh, thing okay. was truly elite. Yeah, that blade. Yeah, okay. when you had that blade, when you had the blade on the back, but the Crayola sixty four pack already its own just incredible triumph of human ingenuity. Tickle me pink, all the different fla- flavors. Yeah, I said flavors, flavor, flavors. Well, shout out my other potential number one overall pick would have been scented markers from back in the day. Mm. Just sitting back in class, getting like I mean, probably like a little bit high on those because I mean we we're just oh, yeah. huffing those markers. They smelled so good. Mixing them on paper to get a little new little flavors. Oh my that god, that is a flavor though. By the way, that is Continue. that is that is a flavor. Much in the way that like a drink is just the color that it is. There is red drink and things <laughs> like that. Those are flavors <laughs> on the page. 
But back to my wife going behind my back. Yeah, back to your wife who texted me as you and I were having this uh, part of this discussion earlier. When you were in Detroit in sixth grade, what did you say that got you detention relative to this? <laughs> Pissed. Oh my god. Oh, so stupid. Okay. Yeah, I got detention. Not. The, it wasn't just the detention. I was like in school. So I was like suspended from school for a couple of days. And it's not that big of a deal. It's really silly. But we were all in class talking. You know, you have those instances where you look back on life and it's like, man, I was way too grown. I was like saying too much. I was saying stuff that I shouldn't have been yes. saying. Yes. Oh, my God. Like yes. so much, right? You're like, oh, my gosh, how old was I? So listen, I was 10 years old, sixth grade in Detroit. Uh, doesn't matter how we were there. But for the year, I was in Louisville my entire life, except for grade school in, in sixth grade in Detroit. We were all talking in class. There's this girl, Denise, who was like trying to get my attention while I was having, while I was telling a story. And Denise was one of the bad, I don't say bad girls. She was, she got in trouble a lot. She was bugging me, bugging me, bugging me. I was telling a story. And then I stopped my conversation, turned to Denise, and I said, No, Denise, I do not want to have sexual intercourse with you. And I turned back around and started talking to everyone in class. So the class erupts in laughter, laughing at Denise, like pointing, Ah, Brandon got you, Brandon got you. Denise gets sent outside to the classroom, gets sent outside. She tells the security guard why she got sent outside. He goes in there, demands that I get kicked out of the class as well. Now we both up in ISAP. My dad had to leave work to come pick me up, drop me off back at school. At this point in time, my older brothers were in eighth grade and they were already out of school. So I just got to go ahead, go home and hang out with them. But yeah, 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 yeah. I said something that I, a 10 year old probably shouldn't say, but I, it was evidence of me just knowing good timing and knowing to lay a good joke. See, that is the toughest part I think about being a parent is having to not laugh when your child nails comedic timing. Like, I've had friends who have had kids that are still eating in a height chair that would drop food on the ground and just look down at it and go, man, fuck. And they (laughs) deliver it so perfectly, and they've clearly learned it from their parents who are delivering it perfectly inside the said same kitchen. And I'm just always in awe of the strength of parents to be able to overcome those moments and to, you know, be able to, you know, be disciplined to say that's not what we do. While I'm sure inside they're like, yeah, that's exactly what we do. Like, I learned basically every curse word I know from my mom when she was driving me to high school. I owe it all more or less to her. But like at those early ages, you just can't do that because then you get Brandon in school talking about sexual intercourse. <laughs> yes. It, yeah. 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 I mean, I didn't want to have any. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a good joke. I, I'm, I, I got upset. I, that was when I was first time I realized that like, you know, I can say things and there's going to be repercussions sometimes, but you gotta, you gotta live and die by the joke. A- actions have consequences. Damn. <laughs> ain't that about it. Oh, ain't that about it it here? Well, our actions have consequences, and so do yours. You clicked on this podcast, and you listened to it, and now you're here. And we appreciate you making this point. As always, if you have made it this point, what, Brandon? What? Wouldn't you get kicked out? Wouldn't you get get kicked out of class anytime? No, I was a good kid. Okay, you're going to leave it there. That's just going to be me.
It's going to be me talking about sexual intercourse to Denise as a 10 year old. Go ahead, finish the damn podcast. Yeah, that is how it's going to finish right there. If you enjoyed Brandon's story, make sure you leave us a great rating. Make sure you leave us a review. Write something nice in there. Talk nice to us on this podcast. Thanks as always. We'll talk to you tomorrow.